0: I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. Hi, friends. Today begins my absolute favorite day of the entire church calendar, Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. Now, I didn't grow up in an Anglican church. And so for me, like some of you, Lent was not something we talked about or really even participated in. I remembered seeing friends in school with soot on their foreheads in the shape of a cross, uh, the symbol that they'd been to a church service. But honestly, that's all I knew. And then there were these conversations that would spring up in the spring usually about what people were going to give up for Lent and some sacrificed technological tools like Facebook, Twitter, or texting, or the gram. Others gave up temptations like sugar, chocolate, caffeine, soda, or even fast food. And still others committed to shrinking their carbon footprint by riding their bike more or nudging the thermostat two degrees lowered. A friend even gave up porn, And though it was an awkward announcement to myself and all of our friends, I applauded his efforts and hoped that they continued long past Easter. Well, a number of years ago, I had just a string of people in my life who shared about the difference that Lent had made in their spiritual lives, and I knew I needed to find out more. And so what I did is I began studying Lent's vibrant heritage, I read about the long-time connection with the Orthodox and Catholic churches, as well as newfound friendships among Mennonites and Baptists. I discovered the roots of Lent, which in Latin means quadra gesima, and I'm sure I butchered that and turned it into a little bit of Spanish meets Italian. But in Latin, the root word means 40th, and it's based on the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert before his few brief years of earthly ministry. In the Middle Ages, Lent became known for a German root word meaning spring or long, and it's reflective of the spring days that are constantly growing in length. Well, about 10 years ago, I actually began engaging in Lent. In that first year, I just prayed and I said, Lord, what do I do with this time? What do I do with this 40 days in order to prepare my heart and my mind for the resurrection of you? And I felt this rather overwhelming sense that God was asking me to give up something rather strange for Lent, and that was prayer. Now, at first, I resisted the impulse. I mean, why would God ask me to give up prayer? what scripture instructs us to pray less. I mean, the Bible implores us to pray in every situation, to never stop praying. And so with Ash Wednesday just a few days away, I began asking the Lord, what What did he mean by this idea of giving up prayer for Lent? My sense was that God didn't want me to give up all prayer, but to give up lengthy prayers. And so for 40 days, I committed to simply pray three-word prayers. I know it all sounds a little counterintuitive, and this spiritual discipline, it was so much more difficult than I had imagined. Because, you see, I could no longer offer just rambling, run-on sentences to God. I had to think about them, pause, consider the exact words I was saying— For instance, I could no longer thank God for this morning because, well, that took five words. And so the concept needed to be summed up in three. And so I would say, instead of thanks God for this morning, I would pray, thanks for today. And this elementary shift in verbiage, it began to cause me to trim a word here, rephrase something there, a switcheroo of words over there. And and every word, every syllable demanded this intentionality and this mindfulness. And this discipline of creating three-word prayers, it forced me to become more engaged and creative with God. I began offering almost like hand-crafted prayers and no longer just rote and generic and mass-produced. The prayers felt almost artisanal, handed up with tender care to God. These prayers ushered me into a renewed sense of openness before God. Honesty infused both my relationship with God and somehow God's relationship with me. And as our relationship became more close and genuine, it was like my dependence on God increased. And throughout Lent, three-word prayers felt more like I was praying with almost like one hand and foot tied behind my back. I was hobbling, worming my way forward, but every movement reminded me that I wasn't moving on my own. With every single syllable, I needed God. That year taught me that when it comes to Lent, the question, my friends, it is not, what are you going to give up for Lent? As much as it is, who are you going to lay hold of through Lent? And the answer is Christ. Well, in 2013, I once again prayed about what to do for Lent, and I felt compelled to do the most crazy thing, as if giving up long prayers wasn't crazy enough. I felt compelled to read the entire Bible in 40 days. And I remember I put up this little teeny reading plan on my website. Do you know within 72 hours, we had more than 5,000 people download this just one-page reading plan on how to read the Bible in 40 days? And people began making this journey with me. It was incredible. When you read the Bible in 40 days, you don't really get into the weeds very much. It's more like flying over the great big story of God at like 30 or 50,000 feet. You see so much and the work and the presence and this incredible blueprint that God has throughout all of human history. Well, even to this day, all these years later, do you know that when I travel to events all over the country, I still encounter people who took that Lent challenge to read the Bible in 40 days, and I hear stories of how it changed their life. Many, many had never read through the entire Bible in their lives ever before. Well, that next year, we started to shift it down a little bit and get a little bit closer to the text. And that next year, I remember we took 40 days and, and again, put up a reading guide. and, And in 40 days, we read the entire New Testament. And then the next year, we zeroed in a little bit more. And in 40 days, we read the Gospels. And the next year, 40 days, we read Luke, Acts, and dove into the birth of the church. And each year that we have done this, we have had tens of thousands of people all around the world join in. And so this year, I'm excited that we are going to spend 40 days in a rather small book of the Bible, one that if you listen to an audio, it probably will take you less than 20 minutes to go through the whole thing. And that book is James. Now, I've put together a 40-day reading guide and devotional companion that you can find at the margaretfeinbergstore.com, and it's called Beautiful Life. 40 days in the book of James. And it raises the question for all of us, what would it look like for you to live a beautiful life? You see, Leif and I, we have wrestled with this question for a number of years. Since we've been married, we we have just made this commitment and we try to live in such a way that we truly love the people in our lives. But there's another aspect of this. We want to live lives that are sustainable. In other words, when it comes to ministry, we think about what we need to do now so we can keep doing what we're doing in 20 years. And sometimes asking this question, it causes us to cut back on particular activities or engage in new ones. But keeping this question at the forefront of our lives helps shape the way that we live. In James chapter 3, verse 13, James asks the question, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Think about that question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, the first person to come to mind may be the wealthiest or the most successful or the most powerful person you know. Maybe it's the person who has the most YouTube followers, or that really brand new fancy car, or the most well-behaved kids, or maybe it's the person who in your life has that perfect picture, perfect Instagram feed. Well, when James asks this question, those are not necessarily the people who James is highlighting. He's not looking for money or status or accomplishment or fame. Rather, he says, let them show it by their good life. In other words, those who are wise and understanding, they will show it by their good life. And here's what's interesting. The Greek word kalos, it means good, but it implies beautiful, handsome, and admirable. It emphasizes this appearance, and it can be translated to say, let them show it by their beautiful life. What are the characteristics of a beautiful life? James once again zeroes in on a word that appears a dozen times in James chapter 2, 14 through 16. And that word is deeds. Now, his concern isn't just about our deeds, but the attitude with which we do them. They are meant to be done in humility and rooted in wisdom. And so what does it look like for us to root our actions in humility? Well, I think it means not being overly impressed with a sense of one's accomplishments or self-importance. It means responding with gentleness instead of trying to claim power or position over others. And it means walking in the security that you are wholly loved by God. Now, let's be honest. It is so much easier to root our deeds in humility and wisdom when life is easy, when everything seems to be going our way, But when stress and fear and anxiety and loss and pain overwhelm us, it can become a whole lot more challenging. Those moments when your needs are not met, when your trust is betrayed, when your valuables are stolen, when your rights are violated, when your will is crossed, when your dignity is stripped away. And yet, that is the exact time that wisdom and understanding that Christ gives, that it is most needed. And that is when you and I, we have the opportunities to live our most beautiful lives, the ones that reflect the radiance of Christ to the world around us. And so what you're going to find in the book of James over the next 40 days, my friends, it is so practical. And you know that if you have been listening to the Joycast that I Love me some practical, and whenever I encounter it, I like to give it a big, wet, sloppy kiss on the face. Why? Because I think sometimes when people talk about faith, it's so easy to to talk about it in ambiguous, confusing, or kind of that way that feels so pie in the sky kind of ideas. The kind that that think make us think, "Man, that's a great teaching, but I have no idea what to do next." And if you've ever felt this way. Like I do, well, you are going to fall in love with the book of James. Because this, friends, this is a book where the theology is expressed in the most practical terms. The writing overflows with just doable and down to earth teaching on what it looks like for you and I to be a follower of Jesus every day. He writes so that you and I, that we're going to live out our faith, that you and I, we are going to become fully mature believers. And to accomplish this purpose, he laces his letter with all these kinds of little golden treasures of wisdom, much like the book of Proverbs. And so today, let's just look at just that first reading really quick in James. And it's simply James chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes. Scattered among the nations. Greetings. Now, the opening of the book of James is so powerful. Why? Because James begins by identifying himself with something that's outside his day job or his geography or even his family name. He reveals himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for a second. James introduces himself as a servant or a slave of God and Jesus Christ. And in the process, he identifies himself as one who is in service to God and in service to others. And so here is James, and he is modeling servanthood from the get-go. He knows who he is, who he is called to be. And only then does he identify those he is writing to to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He is writing to Jewish believers, those who have been dispersed outside of Israel, as well as us today. And so the question he asks right from the get-go that I think that applies practically to you and I is simply this. Once you strip away your profession, your responsibilities, and your locations, who are you really? Who are you? I think it's one of the toughest questions that we will ever answer. In what ways are you a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ? In what ways are you still struggling to become that? James begins by describing himself as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who or what do you? feel you spend most of your days serving. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter how you would answer those questions, rest assured that in the upcoming chapters of James, we are going to equip you and he is going to equip us to walk out the fullness of that calling. So if you haven't already, go to margaretfeinbergstore.com and order a copy Beautiful Life, 40 Days in the Book of James. And in the upcoming episodes, we are going to continue this deep dive into the book of James and discover what it means to live a beautiful life together. Did you know I have some incredible free gift just for you? Some of you know that in Taste and See, discovering God among butchers, bakers, and fresh food makers, both the book and the Bible study, I took a culinary journey through the Bible. I descended 410 feet into a salt mine, plucked figs in California, baked bread at Yale University, brought in an olive harvest in Croatia, and graduated from a Steakology 101 course from a butcher who calls himself the Meat Apostle. With each person, I asked, how do you read these passages, not as theologians, but in light of what you do every day? And their answers change the way I read the Bible forever and the way I approach every meal. Now, if you have purchased either the book or the Bible study for Taste and See, you can claim your incredible free gifts at tasteandseebook.com. These include memorable meal conversation starters which will remove the awkward from every table you find yourself at. Beautiful recipe cards, fresh recipes, and more. Again, go to tasteandseebook.com, and if for some reason you don't have your receipt number, simply enter the word JOYCAST instead, and we'll get those downloadable gifts sent to you.